This is Tiki State Roberts. This is Teddy Biasi, the Bay Dollar Man. Hey, this is Bob Dapley. Hey, everyone, this is Rick Stein. This is the Honky Don't Man, the greatest WWE Intercontinental Champion of all time. This is your wrestling show, Ottawa. Heck, they could use you guys over in WWE. You're listening to the greatest wrestling show in the whole wide world. This is Wrestling with Ideas. Welcome back inside the CKDJ studios here for Wrestling With Ideas on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. How's it going, guys? It's the music man, Colin Scully, here to challenge your thoughts and wrestle with some ideas. This is episode 111. It is currently the 28th of June, 2018. Now let's get straight into the news. All right, so first, last night, or two nights ago, I guess it was on Tuesday, Kevin Owens finally got his Shania Twain moment. If you're familiar, uh, back when they were kayfabe fired before WrestleMania 34, um, Kevin Owens had deleted his Twitter and went back to Kevin Steen. Now, it was just recently after they had competed in the match against Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania that he had rebooted his Twitter account. And then a couple weeks later, he had said that the only reason that he got re-verified was so that he could beg Shania Twain to play his favorite song, which is called When, at the concert in Montreal. Now, as I mentioned, Kevin Owens is a big fan of Shania Twain and made it his mission to ensure that she played When at the concert. Tuesday night was the big night for Kevin Owens, and it looks like he got more than his money's worth out of the concert. Shania was in the middle of her concert when she brought a super fan to the stage when she noticed the handmade sign. Twain asked what the fan's name was, and this fan replied, Kevin Owens from Montreal. They had a back and forth before Twain brought the prize fighter on stage. After Kevin Owens told the multi-platinum recording artist what his name was, she asked him if he was the annoying fan from Twitter. Of course, now Owens was not the only one that was sending Twain song requests on Twitter, but he certainly made himself known to her as the guy who wanted to hear it. Owens admitted he did send her a couple messages on social media, but it was the WWE Universe who actually ended up creating all the buzz. After all, all that Kevin Owens wanted to hear was for Shania Twain to perform the song. After they exchanged a few words on stage in French, as Shania Twain is also Canadian, and I believe, I don't know where she's from. Anyways, long story short, Shania did not sing the song that he wanted to hear, that uh, Kevin Owens wanted to hear. Before Kevin Owens left the stage, he helped Shania Twain sit on top of a piano by using his knee as a step. He then bowed to her and exited the stage. All right, moving on to some interesting news coming out of Bakersfield, California, or uh, Fresno, California, pardon me. Um, It was reported today, meaning yesterday, meaning two days ago. All right, it was reported out of Fresno, California a couple days ago that Shinsuke Nakamura is currently injured and not cleared to compete. They noted that he was injured on Monday night in Bakersfield as before Monday's live event, there was a police dog that was going around doing sort of like a pre-security, pre-show security check when the dog sniffed Nakamura and bit him on the leg without being provoked. WWE decided to pull Nakamura from the ring as a medical precaution, and he was backstage for last night's SmackDown, 
but he wasn't cleared to compete and is said to be suffering from a very sore leg. No word yet on when he will be cleared, but we will make sure to keep you updated. All right, moving on now to an, an announcement that came on Monday. It was noted that WWE and the USA Network had announced the new Raw TV deal, while WWE and Fox announced the new TV, TV deal for SmackDown. This was back on Monday, and a press release from the WWE reads as follows. WWE announced today that it has completed landmark agreements with USA Network and Fox Sports effective October 1st of 2019 for the U.S. distribution of WWE's flagship programs Raw and SmackDown. As part of these five-year agreements, Monday Night Raw will continue to air on USA Network and Fox Sports will distribute SmackDown Live each Friday on Fox Broadcast Network. These agreements increase the annual average value of WWE's distribution to 3.6 times that of the prior deal with NBCU. That is a very interesting stat there. It's going to be interesting to see what SmackDown is going to bring to Fox as there hasn't been wrestling on Fox for a while. All right. Now, last part of the news this week. Enzo Amore has finally released and told everybody what happened backstage at Raw 25. Now, Enzo Amore's WWE release was sudden, and a lot of people were actually surprised by it. Not only were the allegations against him heinous, but they had to be taken especially seriously in the midst of the Me Too movement. Now, at the time of his release, Enzo Amore was the WWE Cruiserweight Champion, and although the case against him was dropped due to insufficient evidence, it didn't help his employment status with WWE. Amore carries on as Real One, and is releasing rap music under his new moniker. Real One's first single, Phoenix, was a diss track aimed at his accuser, the situation surrounding his release, and the media outlets that sensationalized the story. Since his four-month social media silence is over, the man formerly known as Enzo Amore went into detail as he discussed what happened backstage before Raw 25 on his last night with WWE. Vince Mc... And these are the words of Enzo here. Vince McMahon was running around backstage, headless horseman, insanity. It's crazy. And I found this out about, I found out about this while I was in rehearsals with the APA. So my phone keeps blowing up. People keep texting me. Real one said on the Steve Austin show. I'm like, well, people texting me. Why is my phone ringing? Keep ringing. Going through these rehearsals. I look and I see a tweet and that's how I found out. I didn't know anything. And he was, he was actually released during Raw 25. Definitely quite interesting, but it doesn't really help, as, as I mentioned before, it doesn't really help that he was, that this all happened at the, during the Me Too movement. So, uh, yeah, this was the news of the week. Now let's start talking about Monday Night Raw. So this week, Monday Night Raw opened with the end of the Sasha Banks versus Bailey feud. Now, after the match, there was well, the match happened between Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Ember Moon. Because, of course, Kurt Angle thinks Kurt Angle seems to think that putting Sasha Banks and Bailey together in a tag team is a good idea, and it'll work even though 
they've not been talking for a better part of like two or three months. And they, the team of Banks, Bailey, and Moon teamed up to face the Riot Squad again. The match was fun, and Moon was flinging, all o- flinging herself all over the place in an attempt to keep things together. But then Banks lost via a roll-up, and Bailey lost her mind. There was no hesitation at all. Banks had just started to grab at her hair in frustration when Bailey came diving into the ring to clobber her. She rained down punches to the back of Banks's head, stomped her in the corner, smashed her face into the middle turnbuckle, threw her to the floor, and bashed her into the steps twice. Now, San Diego came on... They lost their minds, too. With approval, mainly because this should have happened a while ago. Now, although this was incredible and cathartic in every way, the thing that struck a lot of people was when Angle asked Bailey to be the responsible one and try to patch things. That's a horrible thing to ask somebody. It's as almost as like, it's as almost as if a teacher had asked a kid who was being bullied to be the one to find common ground with their attacker. All right, moving on to the Seth Rollins versus... Dolph Ziggler Intercontinental Championship rematch. Now, this this match started off really well. They got about half an hour. They spent the early portion of the match hitting on every single one of Rollins' injuries, those being the knee, the neck, the ribs. It's such a compelling story because Rollins has been firing on all cylinders for months now and he has to break at some point. But boy, he sure did not in this match. Drew McIntyre was ejected from ringside for interference it made us feel as though Rollins might actually win this. They had a commercial break before hitting the bread and butter of most of Rollins' recent moves and matches. Series of traded roll-ups, counters to signature moves, a leap or two from the top rope. Rollins kicks out of a zigzag before countering Ziggler on the top rope for a signature superplex falcon arrow combination. As he went for the pinfall, however, McIntyre appeared once again to pull the referee out and ruin the contest. Now, San Diego lost their minds, but not in the same way as they lost their minds when Bailey finally beat the crap out of Sasha Banks. That, uh, this, this pisses me off. Like, I don't even know anymore, man. The authors of pain finally made their return to Monday Night Raw. Who did they face off against? Well, they faced off against the good old Gibson brothers. If you haven't heard of them, that's okay. Neither have I. Finn is quite funny here, calling Constable Corbin a TGI Friday's waiter and saying, check, please. In only the fifth stupidest decision of Angle's night, Balor teamed with Corbin against Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens. Now, that match was actually decent. But, uh, yeah, so Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens, or... Yeah, Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens got the win. And that happened. Alexa Bliss hiding behind Mickey James, yada, yada, yada. Jinder. Jinder was there. He had a match. Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Monday Night Raw. This was, this was one of the better Monday Night Raws as of late. Um, there really wasn't that much to say. It was a standard, it was a standard episode. Kicking things off on Tuesday's SmackDown Live was The Miz, and he welcomed us to the most must-see television talk show in history, Miz TV. 
and he introduced us to the Bludgeon Brothers. Now, most of what was going on here was talking to the Bludgeon Brothers about Daniel Bryan. Now, they called Daniel Bryan a glory hound in a plot twist. The Bludgeons took him out, and The Miz eliminates him. He says they deserve Mizzies, and suggests they were trying to be the new Miz Taraj before offering them gigs on his new film, Rough Rough Ref. They swap the mic out of his hand, they being the Bludger Brothers, and here comes Daniel Bryan. Luke tells Bryan he's never going to learn, but he's going to tonight. Back from commercial, we're informed that Daniel Bryan and Luke Harper will in fact be wrestling later on in the show. On to the first real match on the card here. Uh, Rusev faced off against Xavier Woods. Good match. Rusev won by submission with the accolade, of course. He can't lose to, to Xavier Woods here, as he's going to be challenging AJ Styles for the WWE Championship at Extreme Rules. Now we've got Jeff Hardy coming in. And we learn that he's going to have a United States Open Challenge for this. But after commercial, Lana and Naomi are backstage arguing about their dance contest from a few weeks back when the cast of GLOW rolls up. Naomi welcomes them and Allison Bree takes point, saying they're all huge fans that feel the GLOW. Naomi puts Allison's character over and Bree does a bit of Zoya and trying to flatter Lana, who suddenly remembers her accent. They ask why they're arguing when they better work together, and Lana misunderstands what tripping means in context. Back to Jeff Hardy now in his open challenge. Sanity! Answer the call. Now, if you listen back to past episodes of Wrestling With Ideas, you'll know that I am a huge Sanity fan. WWE has been missing a stable like this since the Ministry of Darkness disbanded back in the Attitude Era. So now we've got Jeff Hardy versus Eric Young for the WWE United States Championship. Towards the end, there was a kick to the midsection twist of fate countered into a neckbreaker, and both men are down. Killian Dane and Alexander Wolfe point across the arena, and here come the Usos. We've got a brawl on the floor, and Eric Young then gets into it, where he wins the match by disqualification. Hardy joins the ball now and we've got all out chaos. The babyfaces manage to run Sanity off and they stand tall as we go to break. Back from commercial, we've got an unannounced six-man tag team match. Definitely not stereotypical for WWE in 2018. We've got Jeff, Jeff Hardy and the Usos facing off against Sanity. The match happened, was okay, yada, yada, yada. Jeff Hardy and the Usos win by pinfall with the Swanton Bomb from Hardy onto Alexander Wolfe. Becky Lynch versus Sonya Deville up next. Becky Lynch wins by submission with the Disarm Her. After this, we got some hype for Leo Rush's debut on 205 Live, which I will be talking about later. Uh, but first, we got to talk about Daniel Bryan versus Luke Harper. Now, there wasn't that much that happened uh, in the match. It was, it was a good match. Um, Daniel Bryan won by disqualification as Daniel Bryan had the yes lock on Luke Harper, but then Eric Rowan came in to, bro to break it up. The Bludgeon Brothers boot Bryan into the corner. Harper slaps Rowan, assisted whip into an elbow, and Eric freight trains Daniel in the middle of the ring. Drawing him back up, Luke gets up on the second. Then Kane! Kane is... Kane is back! 
Um, he made the save. He knocks Harper. He knocks Harper down with a boot. Du double goozle. Cut off with kicks. But Brian's recovered. Double missile drop kick. Basaku knee takes Rowan out. Kane hits a choke slam on Harper. Brian rises to his feet and stares at Kane as the crowd chants "Team Hell No" and hug it out. Kane advances on him in the corner and opens his arms wide, but Daniel doesn't want the hug. He goes to leave before reconsidering. Team Hell No, hug it out once again. They do the yes fingers together, and Paige comes out. She's not letting the moment slip through her fingers, and she books the Bludgeon Brothers versus Team Hell No at Extreme Rules. Now this is going to be a very exciting Extreme Rules card, even though we've only known, even though we only know like two or three different matches. I am definitely excited for this, but we do have to take a quick commercial break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking the latest in the NXT UK news. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas right here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Wrestling with Ideas on CKDJ 1079, Ottawa's new music. As always, I am the music man, Colin Scully. Now, we've got some interesting stuff to talk about coming out of the NXT UK. As a couple nights ago, the NXT UK Championship Tournament just finished off. So let's go through each match of night two of the card. So the first match on the card that night was the Undisputed Era consisted of Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong facing off against Mustache Mountain consisted of Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. For the NXT UK, for the NXT Tag Championships, my bad. Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, of course, received the kind of good reception that you'd think of if they were in England. And the Undisputed Era received the equal amount of heat. This match had amazing physicality that you could hope from hope for from four outstanding competitors. Seven may have been the biggest one in the show in the ring, but he kept pace with the smaller partner and opponents from start to finish. Bate was especially exciting once he got on his role. His wrestling IQ is so much higher than it should be for a, man as, for a man of his age. Keep in mind, this guy's only 19 or 20 years old, which hopefully should, should get to a new career, uh, should help him with his career. Now, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven did pick up the belts. They, they, yeah, that's right, you heard me right. They did win the new, they did win the belts. Is it just, uh, is it just me or does Kyle O'Reilly look a little like Seamus Finnegan from the Harry Potter films? But all grown up. All right. Next up, we've got Killer Kelly versus Charlie Morgan. Killer Kelly has a similar energy to most MMA fighters when she walks into the ring. She doesn't play to the crowd or dance around. She is all focus. Now, 
Kelly's mother apparently competed in the Miss Universe pageant as Miss Portugal in the same building as this show. She was never shown to be in attendance, but she has to be proud of her daughter for reaching this stage in her career. Morgan showed some great flexibility by fighting out of a dragon sleeper surfboard combo. And Morgan did end up pulling off the win. Up next, we've got Mark Andrews versus Travis Banks versus Flash Morgan Webster versus Noam Dar. Now, Christian was actually in state on uh, in attendance for this. He was given a great reception by the crowd when he was acknowledged at ringside. Does does uh, Webster drive a motorcycle or a scooter? If not, why does he carry a helmet to the ring? Now, Johnny Saint was also in attendance for this, and his music sounds like it was sampled from the Rolling Stones. Now, Dar has been working out during his time off. He does look quite shredded. Now, Webster doesn't lock his ankles when he hits a Hurricane Rana, which makes it less look realistic. Dar was able to pick up the wing. Dar was able to pick up the win and escape before Mark and Joe Coffey rushed the ring to attack Banks. The Coffey brothers decimated him, while Dar watched from the stage, refusing to help him. Up next, we have Adam Cole versus Wolfgang for the NXT North American Championship. Now, despite being the bad guy in this match, Cole was over with the UK crowd as anyone... Cole was as over with the UK crowd as anyone we have seen during this event, but Wolfgang did have his fair share of fans in the arena. Now, Wolfgang does work a stiff style as well, so Cole was forced to adjust his usual game plan slightly. The leader of the Undisputed Era is good at working with a variety of opponents, so this was no challenge. Pace was a bit slow. That's not always bad when they're using the time between moves to sell the severity of the last maneuver effectively. Wolfgang was a worthy challenger, but Cole was still able to put him away with his finisher for the victory. Up next, we've got a tag team match between Velveteen Dream and DC3 going up against Aleister Black and Ricochet. Now this was definitely an exciting match. Dream ended up abandoning his partner towards the end of the match, which may have started a feud between them since it led to Black hitting EC3 with his finisher for the win. Dream has taken all the best parts of Prince, Rick Rude, and Goldust to create a unique and interesting character. His star continues to rise with every single match. WWE seems happy to ignore EC3's past as Derek Bateman as well. Maybe Vince McMahon forgot what he used to work for the company like he, maybe Vince McMahon forgot uh, EC3 used to work for the company as Derek Bateman like he did with Luke Gallows when he was Festus. One of the most impressive things in this match was Dream's ability to keep his headband on the entire time as well. Moving on to the second event of the card, the second last event of the card here, we had Shayna Baszler facing off against Tony Storm for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, watching the Queen of Spades act like a villain is always fun, especially when her opponent gets to make a comeback like when Storm sent her flying with a German suplex. The New Zealander put up a valiant effort, but Baszler was able to retain her title by countout in a great match. The champ poured salt in the wound by coming back to the ring and choking out Storm after the bell. Now, the WWE announcers acknowledged a non-WWE match between these two in order to establish a history of Baszler seeking redemption for a past loss. Baszler's nose was bleeding a few minutes into the match, but she never let it affect her performance. The scream that Storm let out when Baszler stomped on her ankle was almost too convincing. Tony Storm is one of the greatest women's sellers that happened to be not necessarily just on the, on the UK scene, but on the women's wrestling scene right now. Now on to the main event of the evening. We've got 
UK champion Pete Dunne facing off against winner of the 2018 WWE UK tournament. We've got Pete Dunne versus Zach Gibson. Now this one was especially interesting as the entire reason for this entire event was to find a new contender for Dunne's UK championship. Crowd was hyped as both competitors made their way to the ring for the main event. The two British brawlers wasting no, wasted no time getting physical instead of sizing each other up with some basic wrestling. They took the action in and out of the ring several times as they beat each other senseless. Gibson put a heavy focus on Dunn's arm while the champion focused on punishing every part of his body. They took each other to the limit to make sure the crowd got more than its money's worth as Gibson tried to make his best, tried to get Dunn to tap out but the champion prevailed to retain his title in a classic encounter. Triple H, Johnny Saint, and the rest of the UK division came out to congratulate D Pete Dunne on his big victory and close the show with an NXT chant. In some ways, now this event, in some ways this event did exceed the first UK championship tournament. We saw a greater variety of wrestlers and some real progress with the formation of NXT UK. It's a little strange, though, I find, to see uh, Pete Dunne portraying the babyface. He's so good at being a villain... Um, yeah, Dunn's headbutt is also one of the most brutal in the business today. Now, knowing he only had to compete in one match on night two allowed Gibson to show off more athleticism than he did Monday when he was pacing himself. Dunn is one of the few people you can't easily classify. He can brawl, he can fly through the air, he can make an opponent tap out or wrestle them on the mat. Few superstars are as versatile as Pete Dunn really is. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and after we come back, we are going to debut Doctor's Orders. Now, Doctor's Orders is going to be hosted by Dr. Bob, your commentator of choice, and every week for, a for the next little while, he's going to be doing um, a match review, and he's going to be telling you guys to go watch it. So tune in to, see tune in to hear that as well. Um, we did a little bit of alternate commentary on some matches now that I'm recently subscribed to the WWE Network, so you can tune in to hear that as well. So that'll be the last segment of the show before we wrap things up. You're listening to CKDJ1079 for Wrestling With Ideas right here on CKDJ1079 on Listening Homes. with ideas on CKDJ 107.9 Ottawa's new music. I am the music man Colin Scully and this is the debut segment of Doctor's Orders with your commentator of choice, Dr. Bob. Now, Bob, Dr. Bob, this this segment is going to be sort of like a match review thing. 
Uh, but why don't you talk more about what it's actually what you wanted to do in a kooky little zany way? I think match reviews just by themselves are a little boring in terms of there's a suplex and a knee drop, then he goes. Uh, but I, I'd like to bring in kind of how my brain works when I watch wrestling too, whether it be on YouTube, streaming sites of whatever kind. It's that I oftentimes won't go through an entire show. I don't have the patience to watch three hours in one row, but I like to pick up matches and the zanier the better sometimes, not necessarily comedy. Um, I'll go through this match, throw up a lot of tidbits uh, for fans, and the wrestling trivia is kind of the name of the game here. A lot of little things that people might be aware of, people might not be aware of, and hopefully I get to pop a bunch of you here and this with all the little bits. Um, and it'll be a great opportunity for you to go back, fans, to, to watch these matches. A lot yeah. of them, the majority of them will be on something like a Daily Motion or a YouTube. If there are some matches that you can't find, they're exclusive to some, I'll let you know. But otherwise, a lot of these will be able to search. I wanted this to be accessible to everyone. It's going to be a great time, yep. either way. Before before we get the, this first one started, I'm yep. going to make a page on the newly created, nothing's up there yet, but the newly created WrestlingWithIdeas.com. There's going to be a list of doctor's orders. Sure. It's going to be up there. But uh, let's get things underway with your first match that you have. Yeah. So the first match is actually from World Championship Wrestling, WCW, that we all know and love. Some people a little more, some people a little less. Is this the Vince Russo era? Uh, potentially, WCW? yeah. yeah. Actually, I, th- I believe it was. This is in uh, 99, early 99. So this... Probably just when he was just starting. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I know it's around there because Goldberg was in here. Um, and so uh, this comes March 22nd, 1999, comes in a few weeks after um, the first loss of Goldberg. So he was 173 and 0. Um, then he lost to Starcade 98 in December. The end of December ninety eight to Kevin Nash in the very infamous stun gun match. Yeah, um, Scott Hall obviously came on in, used a stun gun, finished off Goldberg. A lot of people said it was one of the biggest mistakes WCW ever made. I'm not counting David Arquette because he's the man, but uh, yeah, Goldberg came in, lost that one. So, you know, where was he going from now? People were still really behind him. So fan um, adulation for him was still pretty high, uh, not maybe at his highest, but uh, at this point, what's interesting, now that the luster of Goldberg has kind of worn off in terms of his uh, win streak, now it was kind of fair game. People could beat him. It could happen again. And, of course, he lost a few more times after that. The Kevin Nash one was the big one, but he lost to other opponents afterwards. Um, so uh, this match itself also... Um, also notorious, I guess, for Hack's short run. Hack, of course, was the Sandman from ECW, who's done other gimmicks mm-hmm. as well. But his name was Hack. Is actually his the the nickname everybody gave him um, uh, in wrestling when he wasn't in the Sandman character. So well, this just, matches the Goldberg versus Goldberg versus Sandman, aka Goldberg versus, Goldberg versus Hack. Hack in WCW. Hack came in, was put into the WCW hardcore division almost right away. Had a lot of matches with, uh, I guess, guys like Raven, guys with Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, Fact two, Bigelow hated the hardcore division in WCW. Doesn't surprise me. He hated working it. Other guys liked it a little more. Um, But yeah, it was was really interesting. They had done better hardcore divisions than I believe WWE ever did. Um, Of course, it was kind of a... Um, uh, I, okay, I'm going to keep this clean. But it was kind of a uh, version of ECW's. Um, yeah. Of course, they stole a few ideas here and there, depending on what uh, who you ask. Anyways, Goldberg versus Hack. 
kind of unofficially a no DQ match as anything Hack does. This was March 22nd, 1999, and uh, Hack gets a lot of offense right away, which before the streak ended, it was Goldberg, you know, spear, jackhammer. Right. So he stops uh, Goldberg off right away, starts attacking him, uh, gets him to the outside. It is in the beautiful Club La Vela. Panama City Beach, Florida, which for fans out there can't quite picture it, is the the nitro and and um, kind of location where there was a pool on the outside. Oh, so you this? had the ring, you had the guardrail, you had fans outside, and it was kind of a pool almost. Is this is this the uh, episode? Is this where um, the no, last? Not, no, 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 it's not the last one. No, no, no. But it, was this the episode where Vince found out that Shane? Uh, possibly, it? if it wasn't, it looked. If it wasn't that exact location, um, it, looked then it, looked, it looked similar. It might right. even be. We'll we'll have to look it up afterwards. Right. But it's got that spring break type feeling, and it was so cool. WCW, what they did, interestingly enough, ran shows at different places. So the Mall of America was show. Was the first episode of Night Yeah, and then they had things like this near a pool. I, I don't think right. WWE ever replicated that for, I guess, cost reasons right. and everything. But, yeah, there was that. Uh, Chastity comes out. Chastity, of course, uh, she was with Raven. She was with Hack. Um and the weapons come in, too. There's a Singapore cane. The interesting story about that is that at its beginning, I don't know if you know how the, the Singapore cane started in wrestling. Uh, not too, too sure. No. So there was the kendo stick, which essentially right. is saying the, the Singapore cane, as they call it, not actually a Singapore cane. If you look at it, it's more of a kendo stick or a facsimile of it. Singapore canes, really, if you look at it um, online, are just kind of a rod uh, whatever it may be, wood and such, but just one long stick that's going to hurt like heck. The king, the kendo stick really is used more um, in martial arts as a practice tool, almost like think something akin to a fencing. So they used it because in ECW, the Singapore caning incident in um, Singapore where an American uh, 18 years old was caught, uh, sentenced, and was uh, sentenced to Singaporean cane lashes. This, this got big in the uh, in the states as news you know a cross cultural thing can we let an american kid be caned in singapore so paul Heyman's always at that point was always kind of soaking up everything around him in the world and thought and said hey i'm going to take the kendo stick which is already in part of wrestling called the singapore cane because of this huge international incident oh. and then so yeah so then sandman used it against tommy dreamer arguably that's what got dreamer over cuz he was a mid card to a lower card guy at that point he used it Got him over, so he brought that into the into the matchup. Uh, Goldberg was dominated for about thirty seconds a minute. Of course, you're not going to get too much on Goldberg. No. Uh, Chastity never really got in the way of that. Sandman hack at this point in this kind of weird WCW ECW dream match. I'd say yeah. um, got a bit of offense. Uh, he does that weird punch thing that only Sandman does, where it looks like he hurts his hand every punch and shakes it off. So I don't quite know why he ever did punches. And so Hack takes the takes the spear after trying to punch him a few times, takes the jackhammer in the beautiful Club La Vela. It's this weird thing where I guess like a this weird dream match that you never thought was gonna happen. Even hearing it online, you're like, wow, Sandman and Goldberg. Of course, being a WCW finishes pretty soon, but it lasted a lot longer than most of Goldberg's pre-streak ending matches finished. I think it's right. interesting to see all the little bits, all those little news uh, uh, snippets. Um, Hacked didn't last too long in WCW after that, and Goldberg was kind of weird because he was trying to rebuild himself after this title loss. So all those interesting things, go check it out on YouTube on March 22nd of 1999. Right. First ever segment, Doctor's Orders. Thank you. Doctor's Order it. Yeah. 
any of your listeners that want to learn more about what I am up to, because rest assured, I, I may have uh, retired from mixed martial arts. I did come out for the one match I also had with uh, Ken Shamrock, but I have not retired in life, and I'm still staying very proactive in uh, uh, a number of different things, but uh, simply to bore you with details, just go to my website at dansevern.com, because I am the beast. You are listening to Wrestling With Ideas. You better listen, otherwise I know where you live. Welcome back inside the CKDJ studios here for a special bonus audio clip of Wrestling With Ideas. I am the music man, Colin Scully, and in studio with me today, I've got some special guests here. We've got your commentator of choice, Dr. Bob. The molder to your Scully. Yeah. Oh, the X-Files jokes have been made for 10 years, have they? I barely ever watched X-Files. So Neither, I, I, I thought, I've that, never, I've I thought that was fresh. Episode, I've never watched an episode Yeah, that's because you're 12. That's why. It was probably on while you're still in the womb, so you know. Yeah, that's also fair. <laughs> and then also, we've got Gus... Burgess. Gus Burgess. Hello, everybody. C4 ring crew. All C4 ring crew. Fan for fan 39 for years. 35 years, Bobby. I'm not that 49 old. years. <laughs> 49 years. He's 35 been years. a fan longer than a lot of people have been alive. So he's got that experience on him. Oh, so what man. are we watching today, Colin? So we, when you came into the studio today, you had suggested this match. And as I'm recently, as of almost yesterday into the online part of the WWE Network. I was able to find this, and I'm surprised that I was able to find this. We're going to be watching a match from WWE's Madison Square Garden show on the 26th of November, 1984. This match is between the Tonga Kid and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Of uh, famous from their movie Body Slams here. Yeah. And as Vince says, the garden is the garden. So this match is molten heat from the fans. I think just as a quick, quick setup right now, um, the build-up to this is with the uh, famous Superfly versus Piper feud that's right. going right after the uh, coconut smash on uh, Piper's right. pit. And as they're building up to it, you can see uh, he does come out with him, but uh, Tonga Kid and Piper is the match before right. uh, any of the snooker stuff goes on. Right. Now, Gus, do you remember the coconut smash? Are you asking me because I'm this old? No, I'm just asking. <laughs> well, I think everybody remembers. I think, <laughs> I think yeah. everybody remembers the the infamous coconut smash. Yeah. All right, let's check this out. So you can see Cowboy Bob Orton in the ring alongside Rowdy Roddy Piper. Suspicious without his cast, I barely recognize him. Yeah. Longest broken arm in history, but it hasn't happened yet by this point. Great. Your favorite, the Fink, is in there too, Colin. Yeah, man. Look at these two. The fans are already erupting and Tongue Kid's ready to get on. You know what? It was funny too in his WWE run. He wasn't ever a big, big name, but his association with, with Snuka really pushed yes. him to that kind of almost near upper echelon. Especially, you know, Piper can take anybody and just make him a star. Look at uh, already, as I was saying, the indignation on Piper's face already kind of pulling off that he's disgusted, angry. All these things before even a even a, a single lockup has taken place, and the fans are yeah. literally jumping out of their seats. Yeah. They're standing, they're jumping, and also, Colin, this isn't even the main event of the show, right? This is only this is this is barely mid card. Like this is what the the first match. First match is S.D. Jones, Charlie Fulton. Second match is Louis Rivera versus Moondog Spot. Third match is 
Bobby Heenan versus Salvatore Bologna. <laughs> Bobby Heenan in a wrestling match. Okay, I'm going to have to go back. And yeah, no. Mr. Fuji versus CFL star Angelo Mosca. Um, and then hey, just before this, we had Swede Hansen versus Cowboy Bob Orton. Uh, now, go. good, good, a good, good car there so far for Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Bobby Heenan in a wrestling match as something have you not seen some I've of those? not oh, seen uh, any of those. So. You are in for a treat. I mean, Sal Balomo, obviously, both newer ECW fans might be a little familiar with him, but he was a sort of jobber extraordinaire over WWE. Job Look at these fans pumping. You can feel the vibe. You can pretend you're almost there. Yeah. Fans on their feet and clearly on the side. Uh, uh, how old were you there, Gus? <laughs> I was uh, 30, 40. 30 years old, 30, that's right, 30, Bobby. Okay. 30 years old in 1984. <laughs> okay. I Actually, I was two years old at this point. Now, look at how long Piper... I remember it like it was yesterday. Look at how long Piper just takes to take off his coat. He's almost looking like... Um, uh, I don't know if you saw 205 Live last night, but Leo Rush made his in-ring debut mm-hmm. and did? this guy he took a good two minutes <laughs> like he was he was he was taking all of his jewelry because he had a bunch of jewelry on like bracelets and watches and shit and um he took like a good minute into the match this isn't going on the radio it can be uncensored oh, okay. it's fine <laughs> i was like am i allowed to swear here? yeah you can swear it's fine oh like, it's fiddlesticks it's- <laughs> yeah Look at him intimidating, trying to intimidate him with the bell too, insinuating that he's going to hit him with it, perhaps. Yeah. Bob Borden, his his uh, bodyguard, who was a legit, legit tough guy, for just standing in front of them, and, you know, Snuka yeah. obviously is not going to get involved. Here. And the kilt comes off. Boy, is he fired up! Yes. Look at these guys; they're all ready to go. Uh, it would have been a great tag team match too. I don't know if they ever mixed. That that that, that would have been a great tag team match. Tonga Kid, where does he look? Some. Where would I have seen him before, Tonga Kid? Or? Oh, he wrestled. He wrestled throughout WWE. He did. Okay. He had a career. He wasn't. He wasn't just. Did he go by any other names? Or uh, I'll have to Wikipedia this later. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I was watching. I'm pretty uh, sure he had tagged somewhere with the with. Uh, I, I want to say Samoan SWAT team. I might be off right. there. But the, fir- the first, nev- the first Samoan SWAT team. De- definitely <laughs> was never on uh, Snooka's level. Right. Uh, but like I said again, he was a big time actor for that one movie with uh, Piper. So they, right. they actually uh, were together in that right. as a team. Yeah, I, I don't know go. the time frame if it happened right after. getting underway. Oh. Piper with the <laughs> slap to the Piper face. Piper with two slaps. Those are hard enough because you can see his face shake. Oh, there you go. Piper is shaking. Yeah, Look but Piper, that. Piper, just so much with so little, Colin and Gus, like, and the headbutts, of course, because he's from the Alice. And the fans are already coming to yeah, their yeah. feet. Yeah. Listen to that sound. Because really, what have they done so far? Not too much. No, the match has only been going on for about another, for about like a minute oh, I mean, and a half. Not even a Tonga kid it's, firing up right off right. the bell. They really could just <laughs> trade headbutts and punches for the entire duration of the match and be completely fine. Yeah. All right, okay. that... Looks like it might have been a DDT that they were that uh, no, Tonga too Kid early, was trying Colin, to pull. Too early in this. Too early. All right. Yeah, they got to save big matches for later. But it was funny because Orton being on the outside and Randy Orton doing that drape over the DDT. drape over DDT. Yeah. Look at him. See, that's perfect. Yeah. He's going fast, 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 and he gives time for the fans to just kind of soak it in, watch, and go, "What is he going to do next?" And I bet you, very soon, Piper's going to hit him with a cheap shot because yep. he's Tonga Kid's too hot right now. All right, not shoulder, shot or, shoulder block or from Tonga Kid. Yeah, up and over, up and over again. Piper getting a lot. Shot to the chest. 
See, Piper Tongue getting the kid. upper hand and stalking Hits around him, his prey. Stalks to the ground. Stalks and watches, looks at the crowd. Because he wants... Takes a moment to gloat. Yes, and he's probably looking right at Snooka too. And of course... Yep, yeah. go. With the devil horns too. Tonga kid. No, that's that's the I love you and for for from uh Tonga kid shot uh, to the chest, yeah. Piper oh. goes down. Yeah, that's why you're doing it for uh the trade. Trading blows to the head there. Because they both got a lot of ovation there. And the so forth they gotta and Piper's gotta stop and slow the match down. Yeah. Let everyone absorb it. Don't look right at your opponent, look back at the crowd, but still sell. See, and this is one of the things, because over the past, well, couple hours almost, I guess I could say, I've been watching just old school wrestling, except for last, ep last night's episode of 205 Live. And this is the one thing that I'm beginning to appreciate a whole hell of a lot more about the old school wrestling, is it's got the perfect balance of actual, of like, in-ring work and showmanship versus now, like, 2018's WWE is 90 showmanship, 10 in-ring work. Almost. There's a double-edged sword to that, Colin. I'd say yeah. that once you get fans used to something, it's really hard to go back. So mm -hmm. to say that they're not working the same way is, is, is to a certain point, you, you can't. You've conditioned your crowd to... Right. And look at that, he throws him out near Snuka, so that Snuka and him can have that kind of interaction and get fans to give him a little more... Those sympathy. ropes! Those ropes Yeah, you're, not, you're really... not doing 450s off of that. No. <laughs> All right, right near the camera. You can see him biting. biting. It looks like he was but, biting the forehead. And he's looking at Snooka. He's and spitting, spitting at in him his too. face too. Yep. I'm sure he really wants to hit him on the coconut at this point. Oh yeah, for sure. Throat thrust. He's just see the entire match through. Cocky pin, of course. And what I like about that too is that Piper is looking at this. You're like, okay, Piper, especially where he is on the on the card. You're thinking, okay, there's no way he's gonna lose to Tony, so let's get as much hatred for Need him as Need to the possibly. face, smiling and still looking at Snuka. He's telling Snuka that it's about to be done. One, two, kick out by Tonga Kid. What's great about this too is that if you read any sort of books or, or hear any sort of interviews, Piper and uh, and Snuka were such good friends. Right. To to see that. Look at that and see that they absolutely, going for the sleeper hold as finisher, absolutely hate each other in this ring. You believe it to the very fiber of your core here. And uh, fiber of your being. And, and then to kind of see that, oh, these friends, like, they, they can totally convince you. Right? And this no, were they, were they, was, was it all kayfabe that they hated each other? Or did they legitimately hate each other at this point no, in time? No, they, they were always good friends. They were always good friends. I See, think. I think th that helps a lot too when you're really good friends. You know how to work yeah, each sometimes other. Sometimes if you hate each, each other, other too, that helps too. Yeah, I know. But like, if you know each other really well, that helps. Like, if you're good friends, you know exactly what's going to piss them off the most. So I, even I if it's all kayfabe. Oh, see, in any regular match, Tonga could Tonga Kid, especially where he is on the card, would be finished. But because this is building up to uh, to Snuka uh, in the big match, he can't lose too easily. Now, does this build up to their WrestleMania match at yes. WrestleMania? Yes, yes, I believe so. One, I think it was. No, it must no, no, have been. no, not in 84. 84? No, because WrestleMania... This, this one's in 84. This one's in 1984. Yeah, so this when, one was the here first we had the classic three-time arm drop yeah. with Tonga Kid. Holding his arm up at three. What's that? The butt thrust too? The butt thrust. <laughs> yeah, well, foreshadowing Rikishi, I think. Well, they are part of. The, he is uh, what cousins, uh, I believe, of Rikishi too. The so. Fox, yeah, yeah. Fatu family. Yeah, they they probably even tagged too. So. When your head is swimming like you know, I can't help 
But notice, looking back on this, I use the word magic to describe Hulk Hogan's wrestling, but I have to say... Have you heard look, this crowd looking, the entire time, look, too? Looking look, back on, on Dearly... Speaking Hogan, he's uh, Fijiing up here. <laughs> it's Fijiing up. But looking back at Dear Roddy... Piper I have looks, to use the Piper word magic. Piper looks surprised that he's been able to do this. Piper... Eh, I can talk sometimes. Piper looks like he's surprised that uh, Tonga's pulling off everything right now. Well, he's got to, because, I mean, he was... Yeah. Headbutt. He was, Massive he's headbutt. Be or he's got to be thinking that he... Uh, Tonga Kid's not going to have a chance in there with him. Right. So to see him even kind of pull some Irish whoop to the corner. Crossbody dumps him outside. <laughs> dumps him outside. Wonderful. In a lot of matches, especially in this area in the WWF, that would have been a count out. So somebody takes that hard to spill, match over. And Roddy buys himself a minute before going after. <laughs> Bob Orton here. The DQ, a lot again, like I said, a lot of matches at this era, probably in a DQ. But this gives the interaction, no clean win. Yeah. Fun fact. Tito with the save. Sam Fatu, mm -hmm. also known as the Tonga Kid, is the twin brother of Salofa Fatu Jr., also known as Head Shrinker Fatu slash Rikishi. That's it. He's oh, the twin brother. He's, he's twin brother. brothers. That's why they tag together, I believe. Yeah, so. man. Look at them! What the hell? Wow! Right, so look at this crowd. And now Tito both of these the guys, ring. there's the match is over at this point. Yeah, yeah. The refs calling it off. He's saying them, but the fans are loving every single second of it. See, it's very if hard they to if they didn't do a tag match with this, they did something terribly wrong here. Because this, well, it was always supposed to be centered around Roddy and and uh, and Superfly. So. Right. Tonga Kid was an afterthought in this, unfortunately. Although I think, like I was saying, mid-card match in a Mar Madison Square Garden uh, matchup between two guys who aren't even in the feud. Really, it's the periphery of, of being around Snooka. And yet, right. I love that. I want Piper shirt. I, I might need Piper. to get that. Yeah. And that's just a, that magical feeling, like you were saying, Gus. It's just, you don't see that anywhere Almost like in a car nowadays. It's just that hatred they had for each other, the beautiful angle that they had and the build. Wonderful match. Call. It's always the small yeah. details, and, and Roddy so Piper was a master detail. at those facials. Yeah.